You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Most restaurants with the, the fail rate in the first five years, it's like 90%. Like huge, right? Um, so it's a very, very tough industry. If you're coming to it, like to really look, you don't really passionate about it, the industry, or really making any impact or imprint in your community, you're not going to make it. My name is Andy Nguyen. Uh, they, like, they like to call me the serial restaurateur. Uh, I've co-founded brands. Uh, everyone knows After's Ice Cream. Uh, Portside Fish Co., Bored and Hungry, Joe Burgers, uh, the list kind of goes on, on on projects I've been involved in. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you, man? It means a, a lot of things, a lot of uh, pride, a lot of... Uh, Hustle, hard work, caring, family. I think I think there's so many so many different terms that that comes along with it. Uh, you know, myself as a first generation Asian American, learning you know learning about culture, respecting it. So many different things about being Vietnamese. I think that's it's, it's so broad, uh, but a lot of I think strong strong traits to it. Cool. Well, what was your childhood like? My childhood. So I was born. I was born in you know I was born in Orange County in the Little Saigon uh, my entire life. So I've been here, always been here. Uh, my childhood was, I didn't really speak much until I turned four. I was like a mute. And I was always trying to figure myself out because at home, uh, my parents are instilling Vietnamese culture to me, but I'm also growing up with American cartoons and, you know, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm getting hit with both things at the same time. And I'm so confused because I feel like in the area that I grew up in, yeah, there's like 90% of Vietnamese in my classrooms, but half are just moved over here and the other half are fr- are born here and i don't i don't necessarily understand i think at that that age at that age i didn't know right i didn't really understand what was going on i was just trying to fit in both sides but i always feel like i always felt out of out of place at the same time yeah did you feel like uh there were outside forces uh when you were go- growing up in terms of like uh you know you're Vietnamese and then there's like these white kids or they're Mexican kids or or you know being in Orange County in Little Saigon there's a lot of Vietnamese kids it's like one of the 
only places in the world outside of Vietnam that has that much concentration of Vietnamese kids in Fountain Valley or Westminster, right? Um, yeah, we, we, there's also a lot of, you know, we had a lot of whites and Mexicans that grew up in the area that used to live live here before they started moving out. But there were times I had a lot of white friends, Mexican friends. Um, same time, same thing, like trying to fit in, right? Trying to fit in, find my place and find my voice and understanding culture. Like, you know, what they eat at lunch is not the same as what I brought to lunch. And, uh, you know, they're teething us and we're just trying to like, what? You guys don't eat this? Or, you know, I'll never bring that to school again. That guy's going to make fun of me. Like, you know, those things are, are things we just all... We're learning along the way just from being a first generation. But there's so much Vietnamese that there's strength in numbers, right? Like you fuck with my lunch. I'm, you know, there's more of me than there is more of you guys. It, it, there is, but then you're still in, you're still a minority, you're still a minority, right? Because you're just still mm. learning the landscape and what you see on TV is not very, at the time, is not very yellow, you know? It's yeah. Like, it's very white on TV. And, and, and at that time, you just, you just didn't understand it, right? And, um, and we're just trying to trying to learn the American culture. We're just trying to pick up on that at the same time, right? We're like, I want to be, I want to have all the cool stuff that those kids have on TV or those commercials that are selling us. But our parents were like, no, we're not buying you any of that. You know, Asian culture doesn't believe in spending on these worthless things. Yeah. You, you know, there's always this one kid in school that brings like candy and then they flip it and sell it. Were you one of those kids? I was the kid probably buying the candy. Like, <laughs> I wasn't the, the guy flipping the candy. Like my friends were all doing that. They're, yeah. they're, they're getting the the me mama noodles and and flipping it to to the mexican kids for a dollar and you know like they're doing that so that's funny to me there's always one the one kid in every school you know i hear about it like these especially these uh, latino kids they bring like these little mini burritos had kids that work for me that bring these little mini burritos and they would sell them they just make like 20 of them and they sell them for like three bucks and you know they profit yeah these kids were, were really entrepreneurial smart yeah. When did your uh, whole business uh, skill set talent kick in? I I was always like a collector kid, right? I always ah. like stuff. But I wasn't more of like, I was never like the flipping selling type of person. I was more like, I understand why certain collectibles or things got me excited. And when I had to sell or flip things, that's when I started learning. Like, oh, I didn't know you could flip that for like four or five X, 10 X from what you got it for. And so I just had a good intuition of, the things that would get people excited, right? Because I myself got excited. If I didn't get excited about it, then why would I buy it? Like I wanted to buy something that was cool, different, unique, exclusive. Like I was always like just entrenched in all of that. What what kind of stuff did you collect? Everything, like Ninja Turtles toys, uh, WWF toys, uh, sneakers. I, I still to this day I still collect sneakers, art collectibles. Um, across the board, I just I'm just a collector. Right? I'm just like a hoarder. And my wife drives her crazy with me. Trying to hang on to everything. My brother's a collector too. He's a toy collector. He's yeah. got thousands of pieces in his collection. If I have Transformers, GI Joes, probably everything, Every, right? All of it. Thundercats. I mean, you name it. He's got it uh, in a glass case uh, in his office. Yeah, I've ingrained in that. So I, you know, even to this day, you know, I, I geek out over that stuff to, 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 to now, you know. So whenever I get to collaborate with a lot of these nostalgic brands that I grew upon, like, like I'm living my, I'm living the dream right now. Yeah, that makes sense. That whole NFT, and we'll get to that, like all that uh, NFT uh, space that uh, you've um, you've talked about. Now, um, when you were coming up, like you know, I've heard that you really didn't stick with school. You didn't really vibe with it. No, I was always a uh, you know, I, I I think I did well until like up to, to fourth grade, and after the after that, my grades just started sinking and sinking all the way until high school, and 
once I got to high school, it was just a really tough, uh, I think a really tough place for me because I didn't really understand it. And I, I was on, I got arrested that year. I got probation my freshman year. I got kicked out of school for my sophomore year. So I did all the, the non-Asian thing, you know, the non-Asian things. And, and I was like the black sheep and all, you know, all my parents' friends were like, oh, don't hang out with Andy because he's, he's the troublemaker. He gets, and for myself, I never saw myself as the bad kid. I just, I just kind of just fell into the mischievous things, right? But I think my intent was never, like never evil. Yeah, what what did you go? Uh, what did you get arrested for? Uh, my friend was shoplifting at the mall, and I was just with him. So, no, oh. so you didn't really do anything. I didn't hurt anybody. Was stealing at the he was just stealing at the mall, and once he he started running, I got to start running too. So I was like, I didn't <laughs> grab. If he's running, I'm running too. I'm not trying to get drunk and caught. <laughs> so let me ask you: Do you think at the time your mom and dad had any clue uh, how smart or how intelligent you are? Oh, no, they always call me Tanka. That's what they call me, Tanka. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, yeah that's my nickname growing up. They always thought I was, I was always like oblivious to everything. That's that, That's my nickname that they, that they called me for a really long time. Man, culturally, that's some fucked up shit. If you think about it, right? I'm I'm very opposed to that kind of uh, name calling. I mean, what do you, how do you feel about it? I'm like telling you how I feel. How do you feel about that? I think, I think well, now looking back, it's hilarious, right? Because I think it's the funniest thing how my parents were like, how's this guy going to take care of himself? Like, <laughs> He doesn't look like he doesn't know what's going on in this world right now. And then, and probably at the time I was probably unaware, you know, like I think over time I became more self-aware and understanding of things. But um, yeah, the, if you look back at it now, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty terrible term, right? Yeah. Um, but I, 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 you know, right now these days how much I've grown and, and, and transformed over the years, like they, they've seen it. Right? They're like, okay, well, if that could happen for, for me, then imagine anyone, someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, means the slow one. Yep. And you hear Vietnamese people giving their kids nicknames and their fucking nieces and nephews, like all these like just strange un-PC. <laughs> I, I don't know if it hurts us or if it just is devastating. I think we got so numb to it. I'm pretty sure like we're just so numb to it now that it just became... And we got so used to it or maybe just we just didn't understand the term at the time and once we got older and realized we we're like oh shit. yeah but think of how many people were affected by it. and i'll tell you i'll this is the first time i'm ever going to con- confess this on air yeah. i didn't have a bridge growing up on my nose and they always yeah it was flat and they yeah. always call me mutek really? oh yeah flat nose right and that shit still lives with me yeah. to this day it's still in me and when I walk out, it's part of the insecurity package, right? Yep. And I think yeah. I think you know the Vietnamese culture does, the, the, especially the Vietnamese, you know, Asian Vietnamese culture. We we do that. We do that to kids a lot, right? We yeah. Do that that's how it is. Like they're just like quick to point things out without really thinking of the consequences of what they're saying to us. And uh, yeah, it it could definitely, you know, I could see it really damaging damaging the 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 the, the youth. Yeah. It, it it. But you know. For everybody that it damages, there's probably one guy out of a hundred guys like you that break free and like it didn't even fucking it didn't even stick for you. I mean, you're completely the opposite of Tanka, right? <laughs> I guess at this point, right? Maybe maybe I was just soaking in so much. I thought I'm just more maybe observant, right? And I didn't. I never. I was just never vocal as I am now. Right now, these days, like you probably can't. It's, it's hard for me to stop talking about things. But at that time, I was probably just more observant, just learning. Just you know, I just took things. I just. In, uh digested things differently do you have other kids in your, your family yeah I have two, uh, two older half sisters and one younger sister so i'm the and only boy did they do well 
yes, everyone, everyone did well. My my two older sisters were, you know, like straight A students, and then my sister went well school, and I was the only, I was like the black sheep. I was the yeah, only okay. boy, the only boy that, you know, was getting all into all trouble. So I brought shame to, been with shame mm-hmm. to our name. I get it now. I get why why that happened. Okay, so there has to be a time or a moment, or it's probably gradual, where the script flips itself from going, you know. A troublemaker, black sheep, but then all of a sudden you start to creep into like the deeper, uh, the deep end of the pool where you're like, oh shit, I'm like, I'm in a different place now. How did, can you tell me about that? Yeah, it was the, it was the year that I got kicked out after I got kicked out of school. When I went to continuation school for a year, I was stuck at home a majority of the time, right? And while being stuck at home, I just happened to live right across the street from the high school I went to, right? So if you look out my kitchen window, you can see the front of the school, right? So 238, I always remember 238 because that's when everyone got out of school. Everyone got to leave and smile and have a good time while I'm stuck at home in this window. Like I can't go anywhere because I'm a troubled student. You know, I'm, I'm troubled and I got kicked out. I can't go on my old campus. And for myself, I was like, dude, I can't, I can't do this. this isn't, I don't see myself. I'm not, a, I don't think I'm a bad kid, right? I think. I think there's a lot more out there that I want to do, and I need to really figure out what I want. What, what happens next for me? Do I just continue continu- continuation school and then graduate early and just start college earlier? But for myself, I was like, man, I just miss being social. Like, even though I didn't say much at that time, I would rather be around people. I was like, I'd rather be bullied all year long because that's what happened to me my freshman year. Like, I would rather have been bullied. Then be stuck at home. I was like, I'd rather go through that all over again, right? So I was like, looked into myself. I was like, you know what? I've got to refigure out my identity. I got to come back with a. I have a. I have a chance to come back. I'm gonna work my way get the get back to the school, and that's what happened. I worked my way out. I worked my way back into it, and I came back with a completely different mindset. I came back as the new kid, right? I came back as the person that I imagined myself as, and I just became this like social butterfly. In my yearbook, I got social butterfly in my yearbook from a kid that didn't talk super awkward before to someone that. Pretty much transform myself into who I picture myself as now. God damn! Think think about all of these little things that happen in our lives that we have no idea what's going to transform our or what's the transform transformative thing that kicks off this like new way of living for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if that hadn't happened, you'd probably be some average student. Yeah, go out and. Honestly, I would have gone to college early and probably would have had a corporate job, which my which my parents wanted, right? Wanted me to work as a go try to be figure out ways to become a doctor, lawyer, pharmacist, and me being sad about it and not wanting to do that because I never pictured myself as that in the first place. And yeah, who knows where what would have been if I didn't get kicked out of school? I think that was a big pivotal moment for me that really transformed to me to everything to me being the social person as you know me as everyone knows me as now. Yeah. You know, when, when I look at your portfolio, I've, I've met you a few years ago um, at an Asian hustle network, uh, the first one that they had. Um, and I, you know, ever since I've, I've been following you and, and studying sort of like the portfolio that you have. And, you know, it's a it's for me, I've had two restaurants and I just can't imagine having a third one. It's, it's just so much pain and pressure and monthly, you know, everything's like, you know, chop, 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 it's due. And you got to like, now I get why and how tenacious you've become over the years because of that early experience in high school. Um, That time that you reflect on gives you sort of this idea, right? That, um, you know, you can reinvent yourself. uh, And if you can spend enough time thinking about it, it can happen. Of course, I basically lived through 
a quarantine, a forced quarantine, right? Like another, yeah. like, we're living in quarantine and in this pandemic and changed their lives. I lived in a quarantine back in, you know, back in when I was 15 years old, right? So I, I had a lot of time to think and really figure myself out. Yeah. What, what's the first uh, real business you got into? My first real business that I got into was starting a real estate appraisal company with my best friend, uh, with a group of our friends. But my best friend was the one that kind of led me into doing that. Uh, just convinced us all to drop out of school to start to go get our real estate appraisal license. Start start a company and money was never an attraction for wasn't like wasn't a very attractive to me. I think the thing that attracted me was that we got to start our own company, which sounds crazy. Yet yeah. kids are 18, 19 years old, which at, in in two thousand one, two thousand two didn't was not a thing, right? You just entrepreneurship. I didn't even know what that word meant. Um, I think just being able to work with my friends and doing things on our own terms was was very eye opening for me. And I was like, that's what I, that sounds cool. I had no idea what we're jumping into, but I'm in. God, those were good years, weren't they? For yeah, the yeah. mortgage business? Oh, of course. I was doing, you know, us as, as a group of kids, we're doing, you know, a file is $300. And if we're doing some days, we're doing like 12 files a day, you know, so, and, and it go, the rates go from $300 to $3,000. And imagine us as kids, we're basically kids, right? And we're making all this money. It's like, it, it, it's just not normal. Yeah. Uh, that's OC uh, during those years. Yep. I, I remember <laughs> this is a running joke in my, my circles where, the 90s the late 90s there was a lot of gangsters right there's so many gangsters running around like you know they're just a little older than you running around and then like the late 90s hit and then there's all these raves and ecstasy and it mellowed these guys out right and then they all jump into the housing game the mortgage business the appraise all of that lending right i mean that that's sort of like i remember that time frame like that of course and i still have a lot of friends that were the more that are, are um uh loan officers that I still work with, you know, our friends with today that do different hustles and businesses, but it's cool to see how we all, everyone's moved around and hustled their way through different realms. Yeah. And that's like unspoken in our community, but I, I know that that pocket of the world uh, in Orange County during those years, that's why when you're like, you got into like appraising in around 2001, 2002, that those are some hot years for like people who just kind of like fell into a lot of money. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then so you do this this appraising for a few years, and and what happens after that? Um, I had a I had a, another friend who was starting his entrepreneurial into clothing, his fashion, which was something that I've always enjoyed. I spent all my money in clothes. Right? I was like, I want to, I just like buying clothes. And then he when well, he asked me to do a photo shoot one day as a model, and I was like, I'm not a model. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> he was like, Oh, you give me free clothes to do it. I was like, Okay, what what do you want me to do? I'm I'm down. And then. After I did the photo shoot, he's like, I need to get an office space. And you guys, you guys make all this money. You guys work from home. It doesn't make sense. Like, let's go, let's, let's share an office space together. So we get this little 150 square foot warehouse, you know, office space. And he's working on one side of the room doing his designs and where we're doing our real estate thing on the other side. And you could just see my attention span just like, I was like, shit. And you're not making any money, but what you're doing is way cooler than what I'm doing. So I can. I can just see myself like, I'm. I, I, can I keep helping you? I'll help intern, whatever you want to do. He ended up starting a note. Uh, he ended up closing that brand and starting another brand. And I was like, hey, can I, I we have some money. Can we invest into your brand wow. and, and partners? He told me no. And when he told me no, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go start my own brand then. And I ended up starting my own clothing brand in, uh, in uh, 2007. I am king, right? King, yep. Now, you still keep in touch with that other guy? 
Oh, very much as well. Yeah, he's, he was my he was my groomsman for my wedding. I was, you know, uh, <laughs> we, you know we, we, no, it's, we laugh. I, I make fun of him about it all the time, but <laughs> no, he, he he's a uh, you know he 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 got very successful as well. You know, he he blew up and did amazing things for the industry and very influential what he did and. Uh, we're still very close friends. I still, you know, we, we ask for advice and check on our kids. Oh, wow. So he said no to you and you still were like cool with him. Yeah, still cool. We're still, we're still, yeah. Uh, 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 in the moment, I'm very upset, right? And, and, and rightfully so, right? I'd, mm. I, I probably at that time, I had no, no, no business jumping in to be a partner at that time, right? But I think the spark of the flame of him saying no forced me to get smarter and figure it out myself. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's why things happen for a reason. And, and then did the two brands compete? Oh, yes, absolutely. Carried the same stores, going against each other. Yes, yes, very, very competition. And and guys from his team didn't, you know, we actually because he had guys on his team that were very upset with me for for leaving the company and starting my own brand. So we didn't. His his guys weren't. We weren't even talking to him for years. Like yeah, we were at, yeah. Me and his guys weren't. Even, we we're like literally at war for years. Like I wouldn't even talk to them at a trade show or anything. We'd walk past by. Wouldn't even say words to each other. And now, oh, what about those guys? Oh, you, oh, buddies. Now one of them actually. Uh, we do a lot of the NFC work together now. So <laughs> the guys that we didn't talk to, we're all friends. That is so crazy how that works out, right? Right after that, I mean, you know, you're running I Am King for a few years, and you know, how do you pivot over to the food side? Um, I was as a clothing owner in that time period of streetwear in the 2007 all the way in 2012, 13, 14. You know, we're not just designing clothing, or you know, how did you were a sales rep, you were accounting, shipping, warehouse, logistics, storyteller, blogger, all these things that you were doing, right? So I had to pick up. All of us were wearing all these types of hats and i was just blogging all the time i had to just write on my website all the time because i had to share the story what's going on if you had a streetwear brand you pretty much had to post every single day right there's your diary that you're sharing with the, with the public so i just happened to be writing about food all the time i was just sharing about a lot of the places in little saigon that we all used to eat at every single day and then people would message back going like hey your list of food was amazing this is the greatest food i ever ate so i was like i guess i'm good at food discovery as I kept traveling everywhere, I started, you know, getting a knack of like, oh, that restaurant's good. That's good. If I had a restaurant, I wouldn't do that. You know, so it just became into my head. And I just kept throwing around this ice cream idea that I wanted to do for a long time. Um, so I just started with my friends starting a side project as after the ice cream. And, you know, as a fun side project, I didn't know, I had no idea it was going to become what it did. And I had no experience in food ever. Um, but what I applied from what I learned from apparel and then real estate into food really changed everything. But uh, appraising and apparel like is still going on, right? Or are those done? Uh, appraising art was already gone for a long time already because I, I, you know, the, the whole market crashed during the recession and I, I jumped out of it. And the apparel, I was still doing the apparel at the same time uh, for the first year. Uh, but then the after thing got so crazy that I had to make a decision. And after the second year, I sold the clothing company and focused all my time into food. Wow. That is some, you know, I want to sometimes take a minute to like, let that sink in, you know, because these things are so pivotal, pivotal, pivotal in our histories that it changes the course of your life and hundreds of people that come into your life as a result of these changes. Absolutely. No, hundred percent. Totally agree. Yeah. Now, when you look back, um, I feel like there's so much involved in appra appraising apparel and food. There's so much, there's, there's a lot of overlap, right? Of yeah. um, can you talk about some of that? Yeah. In, in, in my industry as appraising, I was always learning about location. I, I was, 
I knew Southern California up and down because I was appraising everywhere all the, throughout Southern California, right? I just understand it really about access to freeways being close, um, where locations were for homes, where the way you, I had to take pictures of that, understand how to take pictures. And then in, in apparel, I learned about, I learned a lot about branding, marketing, generating hype, getting people excited, um, aesthetics on camera, how things looked. And I applied that to this after his ice cream concept, you know, like everything on camera was shot like how I would shoot a clothing lookbook, right? And no one in food at the time was doing it. Uh, also, the way those being marketed and getting people excited, like I was bringing this like cool street culture, hip hop, you know, all the stuff that I grew up on, and I put it into this lifestyle of ice cream with with the guys, and it just hit because no one was doing it at the time, and Instagram Instagram food photography was a new thing, and we were like the forefront of it. Mm. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Now, you're, uh, I think you're almost done or you're done with that after's run, right, at this point? Yeah, yeah. I recently sold, uh, recently sold my part. Um so I completely exited and I posted that about yesterday to the public and yeah, eight and a half years down the line, uh, 27 plus stores. And yeah. What made you decide to get out? It was time, you know, it's eight and a half years. That was the first concept. It was, it was like, a, it was never my dream to be in the food industry at the time. Right. I didn't know it was going to become what it was. And, you know, we all have different dreams along the way and I wanted to do other things and other things I wanted to accomplish in my future. And, you know, that was just a part of my life and now I'm ready to move on to the next. You know, and what were the things that you wanted to do while you were, you know, in that after space, like in yeah, your mind, you're like, I yeah. wanted to continue to help other people. You know, I didn't want to be stuck to one thing. Um, so in that eight and a half years of that, I helped launch a lot of other brands in, in food. Uh, I think about 15 to 20 different concepts, probably 60 wow. uh, throughout the world. Um, so I've always been advising, helping other people, finding different talent, seeing, seeing people in the industry that deserve their own, you know, their own uh to be at the at the table at the chef's table right and then and i had the voice to do it so i wanted to continue to help others what what are the the marks of guys that and gals that actually go on to make it that graduate and clear profits um it's with these businesses very low that, that number is super super low like most people that go to these these chef schools to go out and train and and open their own restaurants or work for restaurants to climb up top is very, it's like, it's like, um, I think a lot of schools had a, a lot of schools got sued and shut down because of the programs that didn't work, right? It didn't, it didn't relate yeah. to real life. It didn't make sense. And you can see that it's a, it's a super tough industry. So all these people that had so much talent 
it's all being wasted because they they spent all their money onto this program and now they're getting paid peanuts to work in the back to, to chop salad. Yeah. yeah. What what about the owners that come to you for you know partnerships, consulting? You must look at some of them and go, you know what? I can tell in five seconds that you just don't have it. I mean, well, but tell me about the guys that you feel don't have it and the guys the opposite that have it. What is the difference between the guys that have it and the guys that don't have it? I think the guys that have it are open-minded, right? O- open-minded. Uh, transparency is always being a big thing. I think the guys that are chasing the dollar that don't, if they're chasing, the, if you go in the restaurant industry and you're chasing money, it's, it's, you're, 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 you're in for a really grim uh, outcome, right? Cause it's not easy. You know, if you know the most, most restaurants with the, the fail rate in the first five years, it, it's like 90%. Like huge, right? Um, so it's a very, very tough industry. If you're coming to it, like to really look, you don't really passionate about it, the industry or really making an impact or imprint in your community, then you're, 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 you're in for something. You're, 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 you're not, you're not going to make it. So wait, if, if you're not going in with, with, with the bottom line in mind or with profit in mind, what, what do you go in with in mind? What's the proper way to approach it? Um, I think community, what are you providing for the community? Instead of thinking about yourself, like when I approach it, I guess, right. With the guys I come in, I tell them like, guys, what are you looking to bring to the community? Right. If you're not offering it to, to the community and you're just looking for, you're just looking for a paycheck, it's not going to work. Because it's a you're you're in the you're in the business of, of you're in the people business. You're serving people, and if you leave with unhappy customers, they can see right through you if you're you're going straight for their their pocket, right? Their their wallets. Which, of course, the, the, it, there's a there's a you do need money to survive and mix, you know. But if you take care of your community and your customers, they'll take care of you. All right, I'm gonna ask you a personal question. You can decline it if you want. What what operators right now is doing it right? In the in the space that whether it's Orange County or number one, if I'm throwing anyone's name, it's Viet from Key Concepts. That's my that's my guy right there. Like Viet from Key Concepts, he's you know I've I've seen his journey along the way. I'm super fan of what he does, and me and him talk about a lot of the great things that he's accomplished for the Little Saigon area. Like I'm like that's if you're coming in Little Saigon, that's your gatekeeper right now. You talk to Viet if you ain't going through Viet, like don't start a new concept. Really, like, yeah, my guy. I have him coming on the podcast. And yeah. uh, I'm I'm very I'm very surprised and happy that you said that because it's another Vietnamese guys. You could have thrown a, another name out and um, yeah, we don't have, we don't own anything together not yet, but we'll see what happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> what what what, it, what do you think it make? What do you think it is about Viet that that oh he is DT is so detail oriented. He he is his standards are so high. His expectations of what he does. He I think he understands flavor profiles that the community really gets that they haven't seen it but once they taste it they're like i'm familiar with this i haven't had this before but i'm familiar and i really like it right i think he he just nails it every time interesting yeah i'm I'm, I'm very glad to hear that um i've heard so many good things about him as well so shout out to to vid yeah yeah now when you come up this is something i'm plagued with all the time when i come up against like competitors or people that i'm competing with in my space and I look like a guy, look at a guy like Viet. I'm like, oh man, what am I, what am I doing in this business? Do you ever get that when you're looking at like these amazing concepts? No, I don't. I, I see concepts that I'm obviously amazed and wowed by, but I'm always just trying to pave my own lane, right? I'm always trying to do something. I'm always trying to bring something different to the table with every single project that I'm a part of, um, and how I'm looking forward. Like, hey, how do I make an, how do I make an, an impact? How do I? 
how do I change things up? How do I provide value? You know, like how does it, how is it gonna, how is it gonna benefit a lot of people involved? That's usually my mindset going in. So I'm not really worried about the competition. Uh, I think maybe in the beginning when I first opened afters, I had a few, a few people that knocked us off and used our yeah. images. I was probably angry about that for the first time. But after that, I just laughed it off. Like, okay, well, it's gonna happen. It was, I guess it's a great thing that that people are trying to do what you do and. Now you can't you can't go to an ice cream a new ice cream store without seeing blue ice cream because of us you know yeah and they can never do it the same as you know the originator right yeah because you can see through it you could you can okay and I, I've said this a lot of times already if you went to after his ice cream right when it first opened and some kids pointed and they go look at that guy those guys out there those guys own the place and you looked at me you'd be like I can do that that makes sense right. But you go to these other places, you see this like 60 year old guy that's trying to like blast hip hop music. You're like, he's just, he took that from somewhere. You can tell it's just authentic, authenticity. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't shine through. And you can tell they don't actually love the product. They don't actually love the concept. Like you, you knew that we were all about it when we first launched. Yeah. Now the food business is, is evolving and it's evolving in a way that's keeping up with inflation and pricing today. What are some of your thoughts on the operational side with surviving? all of this craziness yeah um, it, it scared me you know it scared me i think last september is when i really started looking down the next five years i was like if i can have to continue this route right now for the next five years i'm gonna get out i'm gonna leave i'm gonna do something else because now we're not working to provide good service anymore right we're yeah. working to survive and working in survival mode is not always the best thing right it gets it gets scary and you lose sight of things and you lose sight of your your, your core values. And, and I didn't want to see that happen. And as that happened, I started looking into different things like Web3 space and understanding how I could bring the two worlds together to change everything. So you're getting out of the brick and mortar food side? Oh, no, I'm still doing brick. I'm still doing brick and mortar. I'm just applying what I've learned through the Web3 world um, and the what I believe is the, fu the future that's, that's, that's becoming now. Um, and there's, cause there's so many grim parts, right? You hear the food industry, rising food costs, um, minimum wages out of control, um, services, services, the lack of service, no one wants to work. So you just lack of service is just terrible. But if you can fix those things, then you have a leg up on everyone. Right. And I was like, that's, that's what I need to do. I need to figure out how to change this and have a leg up on everybody. But, but how do you fix it? How do you fix these very institutional problems? So what I learned through Web3, before I was trying to, I was like, hey, if somebody gave me a bunch of money, right? I was like, if somebody gave me a ton of money, I'm going to go use it to change the world, right? I was always, I've always been able to create amazing concepts with my group. Right? Our group is like super talented. We've always been able to pull things um, out of thin air to make happen. Uh, but we always done it on a shoestring budget. So I was like, yeah. if I got an influx of cash, I'm going to do something to change the world. And I didn't want to do it. And, and food is really, it's really hard to do in food. But in I started learning about tech and I was like, all these tech investors are, are investing hundreds of millions of dollars into tons of companies. And if nine out of 10 of them fail, they'll be like, okay, whatever. And I was like, there's no way you could do that in food. If you did that in food, you're, there's no yeah. way. I was like, I'm gonna, my, my head is gonna be chopped off and left you know, on the curb right now. There's no way this is gonna happen. So my buddy, he's like, you know, you can do that with NFTs. And I was like, what are you talking about? Right? I, I, I've been hearing about NFTs. I have a lot of friends in this industry. I just didn't know too much about it. It was always like in one year, out the other. I was having a kid at the time. I was so busy with opening restaurants. So I was like, hey, I'm not even paying attention to it. 
But once he told me that, I went down this rabbit hole and really started learning about the industry. And I was like, oh, wow, uh, NFTs are, are more than just these digital art pieces. It's about, you know, you're building community, um, you're doing collectibles, you're doing all these things that I love already. I was like, oh, my God, I've already, this is what I've been doing for the past yeah. 20 years. Now in the digital side, I was like, okay, I need to get in. Let me figure this out. And I started doing a lot of research on what Gary V, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk was doing. He dropped this thing called Flyfish, mm -hmm. Flyfish Club. And with Flyfish, and I was doing research. I was like, if you, he had 3,000 memberships and you needed a membership in order to reserve and go to a restaurant and eat, right? And you have to be a member. But if you, if you calculate that, you're like, how is he supposed to make money if you're opening a prime real estate restaurant in New York City that doesn't compute? But what people don't realize, like, hey, this guy just raised 20 plus million dollars through his NFTs as it continues to trade. Or now he has 20 something million dollars to play with. If I had 20 something million dollars to play with, I technically don't even have to serve a single customer. Right? I can, I can overpay my staff. I can have my chef do whatever he wants and not even serve a customer and still be sustainable. And I was like, OK, well, if I could do that, I can build restaurants for the community as more of a space for them. And if it didn't make money, which you wanted to make money, of course, but if it didn't make money, that's okay. I'm not going to be hurt anymore. So that whole ecosystem changes in my head. And I was like, okay, well, now I want to do something for the masses and not as exclusive, something for the community. And that's why, now, that's why I learned, I started diving into NFTs and now I'm here. Okay. So I'm a little lost. All right. Well, let's take it back a few steps, uh, which is what you said about um, like film movies, studios, if they made 10 films, nine of them ate shit, you got that one that takes off in profits, right? And then you said that you can't do that in the restaurant space because the profit margins are so slim, right? Yeah. So yeah. Yep. even if you had that one that, that became amazing, you're still not going to cover the other nine fails, right? Yep. And that's the beauty of, of it over at Key Concepts because he somehow has like all eight or nine of these engines popping. And that's like, that's like some goat level shit. Like it's very difficult to do. Now, now that I understand that part of it, how do you raise, uh, let's say uh, you do an NFT and you raise X amount, a few million dollars, but what does that mean for the members that they don't like, if they're in Wisconsin, they don't get to come to OC to eat or how does oh. it work? So that we do, we don't, we're not opening, we're, we're doing, we're opening restaurants, we're opening concepts around the world with this project. That's the goal, right? And we're letting the community decide where we open next. And they're going to give keys to talented restaurant people that never had, to, never, or talented chefs that never had a chance to open a restaurant. This is their, this is their chance to open one, right? With the guidance of people that are already in the industry to help them walk in. I can teach them about operations. I can teach them about streamlining food costs. This is how you control it, right? And then now they just get to open, they get to do their dream and open a restaurant. But, but don't, aren't you still contending with um, profit margins and, you know, brick and mortar businesses um, anyway? We are, we are, but I think a lot of the model of concepts that are around are, if they don't change, they're going to get eaten up alive anyways, right? That's what happened during the pandemic. You lost over 100,000 restaurants. And what, else, what am I going to do? Sit by the, on the sidelines and just watch it happen? No, I'm going to, if your restaurant's going to shut down, I'm going to go take it over because now I got a second generation restaurant. And I'm going to bring new life to the place and new community and the next generation is looking for that anyways. So the NFT membership is what covers sort of like the, the cushion that, um, that takes its place of the profit margin. Yep. Yep. It will definitely cover that if the restaurant isn't doing it, right. It will be able to be covered through 
through the NFT sales and the, the commission rates that gets paid back to, to the governance. And the NFTs holders of themselves will get a lot of different benefits, right? They'll get to eat at our places for free for a certain amount of time. They'll get access, special access to certain restaurants that will only be for like 10 teeth or whatever, not whatnot. But I think utilizing this technology and being able to be a part of something different is going to change the game. That's fascinating. It it's um, yeah. Is are you the one of the first of of your kind to do something like this? Yeah, definitely. We're we're one of the first. You know, Gary V is 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 getting ready, but we might probably be open before he does. To be honest, um, but you know, we already we already utilize we already took the first steps of doing something different in the space. Right, we we launched a concept called Bored and Hungry in Long Beach recent, uh, recently. Right, utilizing the NFT technology, utilizing the IP. You know, a lot of the things that um, the stigma of JPEGs, like we showed everyone what you can do with the JPEG, right? We built a brand and a business out of it. Like even our, even that already was was huge, huge for the space. And I think with my NFT project coming up, we're going to show you the show the public what you can do with utility. With the IP, the intellectual property, did you come up with it? Uh, did your team come up with it, or did you license uh, another IP out? So we uh, used the IP of Board Ape Yacht Club, which is another, you know, it's probably the most successful NFT project. Probably in pop culture, everyone knows what it is. Uh, that's why we decided to 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 use that one. Wait, and that that's that's a big deal, isn't it? it I mean, you're saying it like it's very casual. Like that's that's <laughs> like some. I can't let you go. How did that happen? Yeah, I, that happened because. I don't I think like people the, understand like the 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 like the monumental size of that. Uh, what you just say, you're like, oh, it's just it's not what what <laughs> it sounds like. It's a lot bigger than what it sounds like. It's like, oh, we just signed with the White House, and they're letting us use the the image of the White House, the IP, the president's on board. I mean, it's a big fucking deal. It's a big deal. So I, I'll explain. I'll explain a little more. So when I learned about what Gary V did with the restaurant, right, I was like, that gave me a spark. It's like. I'm gonna start an NFT back restaurant group, right? That, that was the goal. That's the project that's coming up next that I'm getting ready to put out. But I was like, I can't just enter the industry because the industry is also the Web three industry is very sensitive because there's so much money involved, and obviously there's all the hacks and scams going on. And they're like, okay, why are you coming into our industry, right? You need to, you're not doing anything for us. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna stop what I'm gonna do. I was like, I'm gonna provide value for the community before I enter it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna here's a gift to you guys before I launch, right? So I came up with this idea. I was like, I'm going to. Once I realized what you, you get IP rights from the from the Board API Club, which is if people don't understand the monumental how important that is, imagine if if Nike said if you bought the shoe, you can take that shoe and you can make you could go build a business out of it, right? Imagine that like just, you got like, like you can't that's not possible like you're like no way. But Board API Club goes well if you buy that character, you're free to do whatever you want with it. And I was like, all right, I got this idea. I've already done IP projects in the past. So I do Hello Kitty Cafe. I do, you know, I've done a lot of collaborations with a lot of different brands. And I was like, oh, I know exactly what to do with this. I'm going to take this IP of the Board Yacht Club. I'm going to build a restaurant concept from it. So it's going to show, it's going to be, this is a gift to the NFT community because they're always thinking about what can I do in real life? Well, here, we built a place for you guys, a place to congregate and hang out. But also it destigmatizes the word JPEG to everyone else that keeps saying right click, save this, right? But I'm the one that has the image. You can't use my image to go build a restaurant. I can only I can do that. Um, and I think once people saw that, that really made a, a big impact because no one's ever seen that before. And now that just changes the whole ecosystem of what you can do with NFTs.
Okay. So what do you do? You just like uh, go onto Instagram and like hit up the founders. I mean, I, how does this work? If, if, if you don't mind, I, I don't know how sensitive this, no, as an, room... this is, this is definitely open information. We want everyone to learn, right? As yeah. If, if you go and purchase the NFT through, you know, your MetaMask and going on OpenSea, all this whole process that you have to learn. But once you buy the NFT, that image is yours. You don't have to ask for any permission. It doesn't matter what you do with it for commercial rights, as you you can go make products out of it, and you don't have to pay them any royalty because you. Own and it's it. but it's specific to the one that you bought, right? You bought, which is a one to one of character. The one I bought is ten thousand of them, and the one I bought is one to ten thousand, right? And mine's different than everyone else's, and I'm utilizing my character onto my restaurant. And then you can call it the the, the actual brand of it. Yeah, so I, I named him. I named him Henry the Henry Ape, and it, the restaurant is called Bored and Hungry. Yeah, fucking brilliant. I get it. That's like switching up a Nike shoe, uh, kind of, right? Yeah, or just you like I just use, imagine if if Nike said, "Here, you buy, you're buying, you're buying our logo, right? You can buy our logo, you can do whatever you want." Like I was like, "What? You can you can go place Nike Nike Cafe? You can make a Nike Cafe, and you don't have to pay any royalty, like." I'm in. Let me know <laughs> where do where do I buy this thing. That's why when you named it that, I was like scratching my head. I'm like, I gotta reach out because I gotta figure out like how did this go down, right? You so ask, you don't have to ask for permission. Yeah, you don't have to ask for permission. You just can't. You just can't. You just can't use the verb the the word board eight yacht club on any of the on the branding. Yeah, that's it. Got it. But so you. But does your character that you bought have a name? Did did it have a name from the company no. from? You just no. have a code, the number, number 6814. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it has a number. And then so you're just now rebranding the image that you brought that you brought over from that ecosystem. Right. Fucking genius. Genius. And and so now where we're at with the project, has it opened? When is it launching? Yeah, it's been it's open, it opened for a month now. It's, uh, it's doing very well. Uh, it's uh, open in Long Beach right now. And we are signing an, a deal overseas, another location overseas right now. Uh, we have a lot of inquiries around the world, people wanting to open their own location. So that's what we're, that's what we're currently in the works with right now. And, and what kind of food is it? Oh, we do smash burgers. You know, I think smash burgers are easy to understand for the masses, like right, the full audience. And on packaging, like packaging, it looks, you know, McDonald's fried box with apes on it and a burger yeah. box with a drink cup. Like this is, these are branding points that no, I, I was like, these look great on these items and I get three branding points on it. Man, that's like apparel days rolled yeah. into uh, food, rolled into NFTs, rolled into all of these things. And the beauty of the journey of um, any entrepreneur or anybody who does their 10,000 hours, like Malcolm Gladwell says, right? Like, you just start to things just start to fly will into uh, the universe, and you just start to spin off and do well. Yeah, absolutely, no, I totally agree. Yeah, you know, Andy, thank you so much today. I know we're on a, a very limited time, and uh, you know, I hope to have you on uh, again. And you know, I am always going to be curious because uh, I follow what you do in the uh, in the space of food uh, and and now NFTs. And thank you again for coming on. Of course, I definitely had to, to do it for the Vietnamese community. I think it's a, it's important to showcase what our culture is doing for the next generation because I, you know, they 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 need to be aware, right? Because you know, imagine twenty years ago for us, right? We didn't. How, how many people did we were we able to look up to that looked like us, right? And had had a Vietnamese last name behind it. It was not that. There's only a handful of times. So uh, I think we're in a new a new day and age, and 
and we need to be the leaders in the forefront of how this next generation takes over and does incredible things. Absolutely. I agree with that, uh, that statement hundred percent. How can we find you? Oh yeah. I want to throw out my social media channels at Andy the Lynn. Um, just look for me on there. I'm, I'm pretty quick to answer if you guys have any questions. Awesome. Thanks again, Andy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening. Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad. With Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.